You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Good morning. My name is Brian, uh, and today's reading is from Psalm 150. As you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Brian, you can take that downstairs. Put it there. Uh, before we uh, get into the message, just wanted to um, just let you know, uh, we, I, I received a text this morning super early from um, Lynn Roberts' daughter. If you know Lynn, she was uh, on the DR trip. She's been an active member of our church for, for many, many years. Um, she uh, apparently fell um, and uh, face first, and uh, she was rushed to the hospital. She's in the ICU, and they believe there may be spinal cord damage. Uh, and so um, I'm just going to pray um, for Lynn and um, the rest of her family uh, and pray for healing there, um, and then we'll uh, dive into God's Word. Let's, let's pray. God, we uh, lift up Lynn right now. God, we lift up her extended family, her children, her grandchildren. We pray you would be with her um, in the ICU, God. Um, Lord, we pray that your presence would envelop her. You would be with the doctors and the nurses that that are there taking care of her, God. We pray for healing. Um, But Lord, we just pray you would uh, make your presence known there right now, God, Um, and uh, show yourself, God. And so, Lord, be with Lynn, our our beloved sister, uh, and guide her, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit and dive into uh, Psalm 150. I'm, I'm David. I'm one of the elders here, and I get to share God's word with you. Well, in, in the sports world, um, there's a term um, for those who are the elite athletes, right? Those who have reached the pinnacle of their sport. We, we call them the GOAT, right? It's short for greatest of all time. And when we think of goats in sports, we, we list people like Muhammad Ali in boxing or Serena Williams in tennis or Michael Jordan in basketball and Tiger Woods in, in golf. Now, these goats have all the accolades and awards and championship titles to separate them from the rest of their peers. So they stand alone as the best of the best. Well, we salute and praise them with tribute videos. We bow down to them and we say, we're not worthy to express our recognition of their achievements and status as the goats. Now, there is something in us that that inspires our admiration of greatness and excellence when we witness the transcendence of elite athletes 
or for the few who achieve elite status in any discipline. This is by design, God's design in each of us to seek out and yearn to praise a worthy champion, a transcendent being, a goat of some kind. And while the admiration and praise of goats in sports seem almost normal and even a natural response for us, Psalm 150 directs our praise and worship to a transcendent and majestic God who truly stands alone to a completely different magnitude and in every way as the most praiseworthy being. And so it calls for every living being that has breath to praise the Lord. Our text today declares that the Lord is the goat over and far above all goats and stands untouchable in his greatness. So our only natural response would be the praise of our majestic God. God, he is worthy of all of our praise and more. And so it is right that we praise our God. And we will dig into this a bit more today together. How does Psalm 150 answer the following four questions? Where should we praise the Lord? Why should we praise the Lord? How should we praise the Lord? And lastly, who should praise the Lord? So let's get started. Where should we praise the Lord? Now, the short answer to this question is everywhere. We should praise the Lord everywhere. We often talk about a time and a place for everything. We go to the gym to work out. We go to the market to shop for food. We go to the department store to buy clothes. Or these days, we just go virtually shopping on Amazon.com. We get everything that we need. So shopping or errands, errand days may be less of an outing than it used to be. We can literally and virtually shop anytime and anywhere. Is this true of our praise and worship of God? Is the building where our Sunday worship service is held the best and only location for where the praises of God should take place? Well, yes and no. It is, it is very important for God's people to regularly gather in person to worship God and come together under His authority, His preached word, and to regularly experience this corporate worship of God together as the body of Christ. And we want our Sunday worship service to be a great celebration of this great God who loved us and saved us and He lives for us on our Sunday gathering time and to experience God together in one place as the corporate body of Christ. But as important and formative as Sunday morning worship is to our faith and our mission on earth, as Pastor Joel reminded us, our church building should not be the only location where we praise God. God has not confined himself to a building to be worshipped only on Sundays. The psalmist declares in verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise him in his sanctuary and in his mighty heavens. The sanctuary probably refers to the earthly temple, the Jewish temple in which God's people gathered to sing accompanied by various instruments. It was the place where dancing and shouting praises to God were expressed. 
However, the location of praising God is not just in his sanctuary, but also in his mighty heavens, literally meaning in his mighty firmament or sky, the vault of heaven. The praises of God are to be sung on the earth and in heaven, meaning everywhere. The temple in which the nation of Israel praised and worshipped God no longer exists today. So does that mean that we can't praise God in his sanctuary? Of course not. While the physical and magnificent temple of God in Jerusalem no longer stands as it did during Jesus' time, God says the people of God who are the body of Christ, his church, are now the temple of God, which, is, which has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. The people of God are the temple of God, which means that Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, are joined together as God's holy place. We are now the temple of the living God, which means praising God in the temple means praising God together with the people of God. The beauty of our Sunday weekly gatherings is that the body of Christ who are scattered throughout the week come together in one place to meet with God and praise Him corporately. And this is good for us to prioritize the gathering of God's people. It is also formative in our discipleship as followers of Christ in that we are not living alone and walking this journey of faith by ourselves, but together as God's family. Our larger weekly Sunday gatherings are special in that we have amplified sound. We have gifted musicians and instrument players to help us sing the praises of our God together. But you don't have to stop praising God when you leave this sanctuary, leave this building, because you go with God's presence with you and in you as his temple so that wherever you go, you can keep praising the Lord. Ultimately, praising God was never meant to just remain in a temple or building relegated to just once a week during a worship service. We are called to praise and worship God everywhere in the sanctuary and in the mighty heavens. Think about all the spaces and locations you frequent, places you visit, streets and alleys that you take regularly, the coffee shops, the market, the mall, the office space, maybe the shower, in front of your bathroom mirror, maybe in the car. Wherever you are, the psalmist invites you to praise God and join with the heavenly praises to worshiping our majestic God. Whatever you are doing, whether you're walking or driving or biking or sitting, standing, wherever you are, you are invited to praise God. Now think about one place you never thought of praising God. Can you think of one? Now I encourage you to praise God in that space that you never thought you could and worship him in that place this week. Remember him while you're in that space and bow your heart and worship him right then and there. Praise God everywhere. 
You know, my mother-in-law is a great example of someone who praises God everywhere. Now, almost every year, my in-laws, they come and visit from Los Angeles to stay with us for a couple of weeks. And I appreciate them so much, especially my mother-in-law, who relentlessly, from the early morning, she cooks and cleans and, he, and she serves us all day. But my mother-in-law models for me what worshiping and praising God looks like during the week where she doesn't have to wait to go on a Sunday morning into a church building to worship God. I often find my mother-in-law in the living room couch and she's lifting her hands and singing praises to God on YouTube. She asks me, how do you cast this on the big TV? And she's dancing sometimes. My living room becomes a sanctuary for her to worship God and sing his praises in the morning and at night and any time in between. So where should you praise God? The psalmist says, everywhere. So praise God wherever you are. And the idea of praising God everywhere seems simple enough. But do we have enough compelling reasons to praise God everywhere? Well, this takes us to our second point. Why should we praise God? The Lord. Well, verse 2 explicitly tells us the reasons why we should praise God everywhere. We praise God first because of his mighty deeds, and second, because of his excellent greatness. We praise God for what he has done in creation and what he is doing in salvation through his son Jesus, and this is his mighty deeds. And secondly, we praise God simply because of who he is in his excellent greatness. God is great in what he has done and also in who he is. So our natural response to this mighty God is that we acknowledge his greatness, bow our hearts, and praise him. Imagine you were uh, invited to a fancy dinner party. And while you're chit-chatting with, uh, at the dinner party, you, you meet a gentleman, an English gentleman, by the name of William, who has this posh English accent. He's well-dressed and he's really good manners. Whoops. You're having this cordial conversation about football. The rest of the world calls it soccer, about the Premier League, right? And, and you leave not knowing that you had a private conversation with Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge, who is the second in line of succession to the British throne after his father. Now, it would be embarrassing, to say the least, if you knew that you were in the presence of royalty, you would have surely acted differently being careful how and what you said to Prince William. And at the very least, you would want to have acknowledged who he, who he is and would feel embarrassed if you did not. Well, you didn't know. So you treated Prince William just like another ordinary British chap. Well, similarly, if you don't know who our God is and what he has done, revealed to us in his in, in, in the Bible, in Scripture, we have no compelling reasons to respond in praise before our God. In fact, the problem we have in our often distorted view of God is that He is too small and limited in our minds. And because we fail to see God for who He is, 
we also fail to worship him as we should. So who is our God? And why does he deserve our worship and praise? See, God is worthy of all our praise because of his mighty deeds in creation and salvation. God created all things by his creative power, speaking into existence every part of creation, including you and me and all the image bearers of God. He is so powerful that he speaks creation into being simply by saying it. As his image bearers, we mirror and mimic his creative powers by taking the ingredients of nature, be, be they ingredients like veggies, meats, and rice, and concocting amazing dishes to enjoy during dinner, or, or even taking musical notes and coalescing and orchestrating them into incredible compositions of music using various instruments. And yet... We were not creators of music itself and its harmonies. Nor can we create the DNA of chickens and potatoes and carrots. We could farm them, but we could not create these creations of nature from scratch without their seed and DNA. They are all original works of God's mighty hands. God created the entire universe, placing every star in its exact location throughout our vast universe. He created nature in all of its beauty, seen in the mountains, various trees and different animals and bodies of water, all of which we get to enjoy richly, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. And while we can create masterful works of art and music depicting the beauties of nature, God is the original artist and creator who actually painted the vast beauty of the skies with his fingers and the thrilling depth of the mountains with the stunning variety of of its creatures. He did it. God created you in all the complexities of the various physiological systems which allow you to live and breathe. And at our cellular level, it is astounding how our cells take in nutrients from the foods that, that we eat and convert them into energy so that our bodies can live. And then at night when we sleep, our bodies heal. We are walking miracles. And while scientists can steward technology and clone existing cells, they can never create life out of nothing. It's the difference between playing peewee football and playing in the NFL. There is no comparison. Abraham Kuyper, a very famous Dutch theologian, is known to have said this, There is not a square inch in the whole of creation over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Why is that? Because he created everything and is Lord of all. You and I are included in God's breathtaking created order when he spoke everything into existence. Praise the Lord for his mighty deeds in creation indeed. No one has ever come close to matching God's creative power and dominion over the universe. God really does have the whole world in his hands. And when we begin to understand and think about this, we can't help 
but worship and praise the Lord for his mighty deeds in creation because our joy isn't complete until it finds its expression in worshiping God, our creator. We have to praise him. And yet, this God who created all things did not remain distant and impersonal, but revealed himself to us in the most personal and relatable way possible when God sent his son, Jesus, to be like us in the flesh when he lived among us. Jesus, being fully God and fully human, came to demonstrate God's mighty deeds in saving hopeless and sinful humanity like you and me by living a sinless life, then offering his life on the cross and dying for our sins and receiving upon himself the judgment for our rebellion against God. How can someone so humble and, and, and someone who is so completely loving be this God over all of creation? See, only our God is this selfless unto death. Still yet, death could not hold Jesus. And three days later, Jesus resurrected from the grave to defeat sin and Satan and overcome death. Just when we thought it was all over, Jesus triumphed over the grave and destroyed the power of death over us. And the result? For anyone who repents of their sin and believes in Jesus, we receive God's forgiveness for all of our sin, and we are given new life. We are made with a new heart, given a new nature, with a new holy desire to now find our joy in Christ and to praise him for his mighty deeds of salvation. Through his perfect humility before our holy God, Jesus won for us salvation and triumphed in ultimate power and glory. What is more, God doesn't just save us out of hell and justify us before a holy God. No, and he, just, he doesn't just say, okay, that's, that's my work, I'm done, and then retire comfortably in heaven. No, he continues to live in us through his Holy Spirit, and he lives inside of us, and he makes us holy by his Spirit, demonstrating his mighty power to persistently conform us to his will, empowering us each day to obey his word so that we can do justice God's way in this world, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Only God is able to do this miraculous work of transformation in our hearts and in our lives. And God is still in the business of performing mighty deeds of salvation and making us holy. If you don't know Jesus, I'd like to invite you, surrender your life to him today. Or do you feel stuck in your patterns of sins and you're living in the dark? Come to Jesus today and receive his forgiveness and cleansing from guilt and condemnation. Our amazing God makes himself available to you today and he invites you. Now there is no one who is more worthy to be praised than our God for his mighty deeds in creation and salvation. No one. And so we sing with the psalmist, praise him for his mighty deeds. We, we worship our God who is unfathomably beautiful, loving, and mighty in all that he has done. 
But can you believe it? There's more. We are directed to praise God for His excellent greatness. When we lose sight of the grandeur and majesty and excellent greatness of our God, our praise of Him can often dim and grow feeble. And so we desperately need to remind ourselves of God's beauty and power, not only in all that He has done, but in who He is in His excellent greatness. Our God is not like us. Amen? He is not small and powerless and finite, limited and weak in the ways that we all are. God is God. He does not think like us because he is uncreated. And he always existed outside of time and over space. He is not limited by time and space as we are. God is sovereign, which means that he makes all things work together for good for those who love him in Christ Jesus. Even the bad things in our lives, he redeems for his purpose. And he turns our mistakes into conduits of his mercy and grace when we ask him. He is holy, set apart, and quite unlike us. He never makes mistakes. He is unchanging. He is all-powerful. He's all-loving. And even when he invites us to worship him, it, is, it, it isn't to boost his ego, but he invites us to be healed in our worship of this beautiful God so that we may partake of his beauty and be healed and restored and strengthened in his presence. He's also the righteous judge. He is eternal. He is all wise. He is all knowing. And his judgments are never off. He defines what is right and wrong. And he is trustworthy in all of his judgments. God is goodness itself. And, and we are blessed when we trust and follow him. There is no one like our God. He is a cut above the rest. He is matchless in his power, and he's supremely in control of everything that happens. And in the words of Isaiah 43, verse 25, to whom will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. And the answer is, no one. Not ever or ever will be a being to come close to God's level. And when we meditate on God and his awe-inspiring attributes and see God for who he is as the loving and compassionate, gracious, attentive, and powerful God that he is, the only proper response, our natural response, is praising this absolute God who in his excellent greatness is worthy of all of our praise. Throughout the Psalms, we see the various invitations to praise God in his excellent greatness. It says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. The Lord is, is a great God and great king. Come, let us bow down to worship. He invites us into his greatness, and he changes us. He gives us himself, and he invites us. So to recap, where should we praise God? Everywhere. Why should we praise God? Because of his mighty works of salvation and in, and in creation. And because, of, because he is absolutely beautiful and loving and righteous and wise in all that he does. This begs the question then, how should we praise the Lord who is great and mighty? And this takes us to our next point. We are to praise the Lord 
with everything we have because of his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. We withhold nothing to praise this God. The psalmist calls on us to praise the Lord with trumpets and lute, harp, tambourine, with dancing, strings, pipes, and various cymbals. The trumpet mentioned here is actually the shofar, the ram's horn, a blast of the horn which starts off the worship in the temples. It makes a tremendously loud noise, and the sound carries a long way. Praising God with the trumpet means to amplify the sound of praise to God with the instruments which will carry that praise far and loudly. The blast of the horn is a summons of a grand event, like the coronation of a king or or the declaration of victory in war. It is an announcement for all to hear as the horns blare. And what's important to note is that the trumpets we sound are not to bring attention to ourselves or to our greatness, but the mighty deeds of God and His excellent greatness. The psalmist is calling on everyone and every instrument to join in the praises of our God and to praise God rather than bring attention to ourselves. Our worship is not just with singing and with instruments, but also tambourines and dancing according to this verse, which is an expression of joy and an overflow of excitement in our hearts. Now, I have seen you, I have seen some of you dancing in our worship service. You know who you are. You know who you are. Keep it up and teach the rest of us. This is a completely acceptable form of praise and even encouraged when it is the outflow of our of our hearts that are lit with excitement for our amazing God. Amen? Amen. Now, in the worshiping life of Israel during the Old Testament, trumpets were, were blown by the priests, while harps and lyres were played by the Levites. The tambourines were played by women, and, and the other people, they all sang. So the call to praise the Lord in this psalm is addressed to priests and Levites and all the people to join in the worship of the Lord. The worship of God which we are to express everywhere for his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness is not just for priests and pastors or worship leaders or, or even those who are gifted musically, but for everyone to join the chorus of praise to our great God. He invites us into himself so that we can worship this amazing God. I am so thankful for, for Nick, our worship director, He's, and all of the gifted musicians and the vocalists and, the, and those in the production booth who serve and lead us to praise and worship God every week. Uh, the, the bringing together of the different instruments and various types of vocalists require thought and planning so that there is not only the order of, of, of the music that is played, but a beautiful sound to inspire us to worship this beautiful God. You see, harmony is the musical blending of notes in coherent chords, and and it is not only pleasing to the ear, but also helps us express our heart's worship to the Lord. Yes, our beautiful God deserves beautiful music, and what's more, beautiful worship can 
point our hearts and our minds to the beauty of our absolutely magnificent God and draws our hearts in an appropriate posture of worship to our utterly beautiful God. And music is indeed a gift from God. Now, in a different sense, music and harmony can serve as helpful metaphors to the life of worship God wants us to live. And and like a band or orchestra, the various aspects of our lives should be praising God harmoniously and without dissonance or mismatched notes. We are called to offer the praises of our God with every part of our lives, including our work life, friendships, our finances, how we take care of our physical bodies, as well as our spiritual life. The psalmist calls us to praise God with all that we have. And when we neglect to praise the Lord in every area of our lives, there is disharmony and there's a lack of wholeness in our worship to God. It's almost like having that one person singing the wrong note in a choir, ruining the entire song. Have you ever experienced something like that? I used to be part of a choir when I was a young adult and I was in the bass section. My, my friend who was next to me, unfortunately, he was not only tone deaf, but he couldn't read the notes. He didn't know whether to go up or go down. And so we often told him, hey, can you, can you lip sync? You know? <laughs> Or, like, lower the volume during, you know, the time when we, like, hit the crescendo, you know, uh, so that it would not be a distraction in the Sunday morning. I could see the frustration in the face of our choir director when he hits that wrong note. Now, in a similar way, do you have an aspect of your life where you are out of tune and singing off-key, maybe a little flat and praising God harmoniously in all of life? Maybe you've neglected a big aspect of your praise to God in your workplace. Maybe you need to start praising God for your job, praising God for your coworkers, praising God for the industry that you're in. Offer your work done in excellence and in diligence as a praise and worship to God. Praising the Lord is a comprehensive expression of our worship to God. And we can't do it on our own strength. Our lives are full of missed notes and flat singing, but God is able to bring about harmony in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And God receives this fragrant offering of our worship to God on Sundays and throughout the week, and this counts for so much more than our musical ability and carry a tune for sure. We need God's grace, not only for the point of our salvation, but in order for us to grow in a life of harmonious worship to God. As we've seen first, we are to praise God everywhere because second of his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. And third, we offer up to the Lord all that we have to praise God, our voices and various instruments and harmony towards God and every aspect of our lives. And this, this leads us to the last question. Who should praise the Lord? I may also add, we should praise Him when the air condition is working and when it's not working as it should. Amen? Amen. So who should praise the Lord? The answer to this question 
of who should praise the Lord is clear. Everything that has breath should praise the Lord. And to emphasize that point, the psalmist ends this psalm by saying, praise the Lord. Now, praise the Lord. I'll be done in a few minutes, guys. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Now, what does this mean? Maybe two minutes or less. It is a universal call over God's created world to summon the praises of every living being to worship the Lord. Everyone should praise God from kings to infants, young and old, Americans and Africans, sea creatures to land animals, trees to mountains, even the rocks will cry out to worship God if we fail to praise God. If we are breathing, then you are called into this holy choir to praise the Lord. When we praise the Lord everywhere and with everything we have, because of His mighty deeds and His excellent greatness, our very worship is an acknowledgement that God has given us life, including the air in our lungs. So with every breath, we acknowledge that He is the giver of life. And so we, with every breath, we praise the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, he comments on this verse by saying, All breath comes from him, therefore let it be used for him. There is a day coming when every knee will bow, whether they acknowledge Jesus or not in this lifetime. And at the end of time, in the book of Revelation, it gives us a glimpse of this great chorus of singing coming before God's created order. As John writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Yes, on that day, all of creation will sing his praise. But ours is the special privilege of acknowledging God's beauty and splendor and power and His glory today and partaking of God's splendor and majesty by worshiping Him today. It is a gift to know this God and to see Him for who He is and to receive from the giver of life the breath in our lungs as a gift to worship and acknowledge Him and to experience His presence So won't you join us today as we praise the Lord to sing about his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. And let's praise him where we live, learn, work, and play. And offer to the Lord all that you have as a beautiful praise to our Lord who is most worthy of all of our praise. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are worthy of all of our praise and you stand and rule over all the universe and all the intricacies of our lives alone, matchless, holy, majestic. You are God and we are not, so we worship you. So Lord, as we turn our hearts to you now, fill us with your Holy Spirit so we can turn our voices and our hearts and our lives to you in worship. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.